Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Welcome back, everybody. It is another edition of the Blue Gold Report. It's actually the Memorial Day weekend edition of the Blue Gold Report. And remember why we celebrate this weekend. Uh, Remember to remember everybody who has served for this great country. I am Mike Rags. Todd Burlidge coming in in a second. Blue Gold Report brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. And we've got a busy show lined up for you. Going to go through some offensive uh, uh, depth chart here for the Notre Dame football team. And the depth chart got real good for 2020. That'll be in Todd's Blue Gold Nuggets. And we'll talk some hoops as well later on. Got Mike Bray, got a little uh, one-on-one with him, uh, talk about the upcoming season. And the uh, uh, everybody's raving about the uh, new practice facility, even to this day. It's like there's always something new on Twitter about it. i got to get over there and see it. Uh, Todd, uh, I wonder, as it, we're bringing Todd Burlidge now, lead uh, writer over there at Blue Gold Illustrated. Todd, have you actually seen it with your own eyes? I have not. I have not. I've only seen the TV reports and Mike Bray gushing. Yeah, it's beautiful. I actually was online, though, looking at it, too. There's a huge video sort of tribute. It is gorgeous. Yeah, it's a great it's job. about time. It, yeah. it is about time. We'll get into that a little bit later. We talked about this over the years. You can't walk on that campus and not wonder what they do with all the money they got coming in. They do put it back <laughs> into the university. We do see a lot of things up there, and it does look gorgeous. Well, the beauty, uh, I, I suppose, for Notre Dame itself is none of these get done through school money right it's all done on private donations so <laughs> right. they don't they never have to spend a penny on all these beautiful upgrades but you know what mike bray's been complaining and rightfully so for about all of his 20 years sure. that they need you know it's hard to recruit and the pit was truly a pit where they used to practice and whatnot so it's it's much needed and and well deserved and certainly overdue well, let's get into the Blue Gold Nuggets, and I know one of them is going to be this great recruit they got over the last 24 hours or so that, uh, from what I read, it is their best, uh, their 2020 class is now their best class in like seven years. So things are looking up. Let's talk about it. Here's Todd with some Blue Gold Nuggets. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start there. The 2020 class is off to a great start. A great class just got even better, and then some with four-star running back Chris Tyree. He's ranked as the number one all-purpose running back in the country. Not too shabby. He narrowed his three choices down rags, which says a lot about uh, uh, the talent of this young man. Alabama, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. So a really good get. He's 5'9", 178 pounds. Uh, he ran a four three eight forty rags. Oh so yeah, the, uh, on to something here. And you got to think he's got brains too, right? Because one of the yeah. appeals to coming to Notre Dame is if he can get this uh, degree here, that might be what drew him here. First thing he mentioned yeah. actually when he made his commitment. I think what jumped out at me a little bit, and indeed it did jump Notre Dame. I think they're running right around number twelve recruiting class for twenty twenty in the country. This got him to number six. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and there's a couple other hot shots out there that they're in the market for and actually have a shot at getting. So this was a really good one. But it goes to show what the job that new running backs head coach Lance Taylor is doing. Autry Denson, while he was a fine on-the-field coach, great guy, all of that, you know, has the legacy here at Notre Dame. He his The knock on him was he couldn't recruit, and he would never get guys like this. I'm going to flip gears on you a little bit here and switch to women's basketball as Muffet tries to patchwork her roster, not, not her lineup, but her roster together after losing all five starters to the WNBA. And she landed her second grad transfer this week in 5'8 guard, uh, Marta Snizek. We'll try that, Snizek. Um, she was more of a distributor, defensive specialist. As a matter of fact, she comes from Stanford, mm-hmm. and again, as a grad transfer. 
She was only the eighth player in Stanford history to record 100 assists as a freshman, a member of the Pac-12 all-freshman team. Um, again, Muffet's trying to patch to work this roster together. She has a bunch of young kids, young hotshot freshmen, but she feels like she needs some veterans here, and that's why she went out and was able to get Snizek. And Snizek joins uh, from a couple weeks ago, if you remember, uh, Desiree, or Destiny, Destiny Walker. She came from uh, North Carolina, and so she's a grad transfer as well. Uh, Snizek played 108 games at Stanford, made 50 starts. She was originally from Washington, D.C. And she's a two-time defensive honorable mention player, Pac-12 player of the year. So that's uh, that's nice to have off the bench if yeah. you need some defense, right? Yeah, absolutely, and, and a good mention there for sure. Um, a couple, a little bit of good news here, too, I thought. Well, let me start with this. Um, the Labor Day, the opener for this season on, on Labor Day, actually on the Monday, Labor Day has been announced, the game time. Um, and it will be at 8 p.m., and that's at Louisville. And it's the first time, first of all, in history that Notre Dame will actually play on Labor Day or on a Monday, for that matter. Um, this There's a pattern developing here, Rags. It's the fourth time in the last five years that Notre Dame's opener has been in prime time. It's eight, it'll be number 18 overall that this has happened. The Irish carry a 13-4 and record in these prime time openers. Um, and on a scheduling note as well, Northern Illinois has signed up to play at Notre Dame September 7th in 2022. It's the first time these schools will meet. Hold on. Let me write that down. <laughs> yeah. Mark your calendars there, folks. <laughs> and I don't know. Probably my, one of my favorite stories of the week, Jalen Smith. Great story. Crunched in 20 credit hours and seven wow. classes for the spring semester. So he was on stage walking with his degree in radio, film, and television. Good for him. He made good on a promise to his mother and really to himself. And came back to get it. So I did a little bit of digging. There's two guys still at Notre Dame that are working towards that. Troy Nicholas, he's 26 years old now, the former tight end. Right. Uh, he's working towards his degree, as is Josh Adams. Those guys, those two have a little bit of work to do. Since folks were allowed to leave early and leave that senior season behind, lose that eligibility, 17 Notre Dame players have left. Okay. Five of them have come back and earned their degrees. It starts with Rocket Ishmael, who's actually the very first Notre Dame player to test right. the market by by ditching his senior season. He came back, got his, got his degree. Cornerback Tom Carter, uh, Darius Walker, and Jimmy Clausen. And now you can add Jalen Smith to that list. So good for them. Uh, what else do I have here? I do believe, Rags, that those are your <laughs> blue gold nuggets. And interesting about the scheduling note, now that's two primetime games as of right now. They play uh, USC at home on the uh, October 12th. There are two TBDs, and I'm, uh, three TBDs, I'm guessing, the big house is going to be a primetime game. Absolutely. I would, and they play Georgia on the road as well in late September. I'm thinking that's a primetime <laughs> right. game. And then we'll see where the two teams stand at the end. But the Stanford game towards the end is more like, so we could have a potential five primetime wow. games. Wow, how about that? Yeah, that's that's probably about the going rate for Notre but Dame. But only, only the one home primetime game. So we know that. The other ones are all road games. So uh, that's kind of interesting, you know, that there's only one primetime home game. I think when you look at the home schedule, it shouldn't be as surprising yeah, uh, I guess in all honesty, the I'm, home schedule is not as daunting as you might think. There's a couple decent Virginia ones. Virginia Tech might be the closest thing to exactly. maybe you could have gotten away with. Yeah, it, yeah. And certainly when Notre Dame goes on the road, I would say probably at least seventy-five, maybe eighty percent of the time they are in prime time. Wow, you got New Mexico, Bowling Green, Navy, Boston. It's not a very great home schedule, but it means wins. I suppose that's something. Let's hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, you're looking at the offense now, and a couple weeks ago we went through some defensive uh, depth chart moves. Uh, let's take a look at this offense now, and uh, how deep is it? You know, how how deep can we go here? Is it as deep as it was a year ago? 
You know, I think when we look at the defense, um, there, there's a couple of positions. You know, it's pretty steady all about, except for that linebacker position, yeah, which we talk about, that. Talk about all the time. Up, yep. Has to come up every show in some some capacity. Um, the offense, a few question marks here and there. I'll just start to run it down. I'm going to start with the big uglies and then kind of work through the skill position. Sure. Um, certainly going to be uh, the, the left tackle starter, Liam Eichenberg. Um, he will be a senior. He would have a fifth year of eligibility if he chooses to use it. You know, he got thrown into the mix last year as a first-time starter, struggled in spots, but a lot of that goes to some of the guys he had to go yeah. up against, Rags. He really had a daunting task with with, with some of the guys uh, that he had to go up against uh, that include Rashawn Gary, Brian Burns. You know, I could go on and on with some of the best defensive ends in the country. So there's room for improvement. I think as we talk about that schedule, certainly that will help him. Sure. A lot of times the first-year to second-year starters of that position make the biggest jumps. So I'm expecting some good things out of Liam Eikenberg. I think he can play his way definitely into an NFL draft pick at some point. I honestly think he'll return for that fifth year. Kind of the surprise last year uh, that really emerged and, and started late in the season is left guard Aaron Banks. A lot of people around this program think he is indeed the best NFL prospect. We don't know a lot about him yet. But when he came in, he was awesome. And uh, 320 pounds, and man, this guy can move. Um, he kind of reminds me of Ronnie Stanley a little nice. bit in that respect. So uh, in good shape there. Replacing Sam Mustafer at, seven, at center was going to be kind of tricky, and it kind we weren't sure what was happening. But a guy by the name of Jarrett Patterson, he's only a sophomore, he came in and he emerged and, and took that job. And it, came, it was a bit of a surprise, but the guy was steady all through spring. Uh, great player. Um, you know, by the blue goal game, uh, he he looked great. You know, yeah. looks very comfortable at center. Certainly, big shoes to fill, but it looks like Patterson might be up to the challenge. Right guard Tommy Kramer, uh, senior now. Um, this is a guy that's been a little bit up and down. Came in as a five star recruit on some services. Really didn't live up to it. He started on that Joe Moore award winning line from a couple years ago. Yep. But then kind of took a step back. But here he is. You know, he's working hard and whatnot and. You know, Trevor Rulin will back him up. You might see a little bit of Rulin in the rotation there, but uh, Tommy Kramer will take that position. And then at the right tackle, Robert Hainsey. Um, he, he's he been a tough – he's been sort of injured, been some certain things, been a little bit in and out, but I think everybody raves about how good this guy can be. He can stay healthy and stay on the field, so hopefully uh, he'll be able to do that. And I think that offensive line certainly can improve from last year, no doubt about that, and I think they will improve from last year. How much remains to be seen. Well, they've got some beef at the tight end, too, that should help, right? Cole Komet is is a nice uh, player, uh, and uh, so their tight ends should be uh, pretty strong this year, you would think. Yeah, and that's where I was heading. Cole Komet, still kind of waiting. You know, this guy came in, they thought he was going to be the next great thing, and it really hasn't happened yet, but he looked great in spring. Yep. And certainly they have Brock Wright Brock behind Wright. him. Yep. So, uh, like you said, a lot of beef there and a lot of talent. These guys were high, high-regarded recruits, highly-regarded recruits. I'm going to jump back to the running back situation here. Um, this is a little bit soft, in my opinion, Rags. Uh, Jafar Armstrong will get the start, it appears. Um, he's obviously – he was another one. He missed that time uh, with the knee infection. Um, and then a bad ankle slowed him at the end of last season as well. But certainly when he looks good, he looks great. Um, a lot of people think that if indeed he can stay healthy through the whole year, he's definitely going to be a 1,000-yard type of guy from scrimmage because he's a former wide receiver and certainly a versatile back. Tony Jones Jr. will certainly get his share of snaps. And then a group of youngsters, unproven youngsters behind him. Well, I think one of the reasons this looks a little weak is because how 
deep it was over the last few years. You know, they, yeah. they had a lot of guys emerge, two or three running backs deep, and that's why it's a little iffy now with uh, the depth chart and just the running back itself. Just you don't know. Well, the, the thing about it is, though, and I think credit has to go to Audrey Denson here on this. You know, I, I think each of the last couple few seasons, we've sort of come into this wondering, okay. Who's going to emerge? Have? Yeah, yeah. So you go CJ Procise. Where did he come from? Yeah. Josh Adams. Josh Adams. Where did he yeah. comes from Dexter Williams. So Even I, Tony Jones Jr. in some respect too. He's yeah. Like, oh wow, he popped out of nowhere a couple yeah. games. And, you and know, these guys have been able to stay healthy for the most part, and and so that helps. Uh, at quarterback, obviously, Ian Book is the man. He is. Uh, is yes, from sure? what I hear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think actually it's kind of interesting because the way Phil uh, Drickovic has played through spring and in the Blue Gold game. There's starting to be a little bit of murmur that perhaps there's a uh, there's some competition behind Book. Wow. Yeah, and Brendan Clark maybe being able to throw Nurkovich, which would surprise everybody. Um, you know, obviously, um, <laughs> Book, we know all about it, 68% and whatnot. Didn't play well in the Cotton Bowl, but who does play well against Clemson's defense? So uh, he, he was number 17 nationally in pass efficiency. Certainly a lot to build on for Book, uh, a lot to build on for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Wide receivers, that's what we're left with, and I'm, I'm saving what uh, I'm most intrigued to at for last. Let's start with a steady slot guy, Chris Fink. Guy's been amazing. Love him. Yeah, Lawrence Keyes will back him up on that in that slot you mean, position. You mean future New England Patriot? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as my as my Kyle Rudolph be by the way. As, as kind yeah, of, I saw that. A yeah. Quarter nugget. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Chris Fink probably you could say was the most clutch receiver Absolutely. that Notre Dame had last year. Um, two thirds, two thirds of his forty nine receptions went for first downs. Um, a real go-to guy, and he's going to make a nice tandem with you the like guy. like some on. of his clutchability to rub off on Chase Claypool. That you'd like that to happen. And that, you know, I'm doing a story. Actually, I did it already. A huge project on on the combination of Claypool and Fink, and I'm going to play. Uh, uh, and so I talked to Miles Boykin, and I'm kind of buried. I'm, I'm kind of spoiler alert here. But let me get to the uh, the field side receiver, right. the wide field side receiver, because they did indeed move Claypool to the shorter side. Michael Young will play the position that Claypool did last year. Okay, he doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, he was targeted ten times during the regular season. He had seven catches for 138 yards. He's fast, just still young, just yeah. still a little bit raw. Yeah. And this this third receiver position has really been up in the air. You know, he had Fink. You know, he had Claypool. So this is kind of what we're waiting to find out. And speaking of Chase Claypool. He is all set, in my opinion, to really have a bust-out season. And during the combine, the eight Notre Dame participants really talked about, they all pinpointed at Claypool as the guy to really follow in Miles Boykin's footsteps. Consider this, Rags, for, for Claypool's career, he has 84 receptions, 1,122 yards, and six TDs, okay, entering his senior season. Miles Boykin only had 18 career receptions going into his senior season. Wow. Yeah, and he ended up with his bust-out year of 59 receptions, 1872 yards, and eight TDs. Parlayed that and a great combine experience into a second-round pick with the Baltimore Ravens. So I had a chance to catch up with Miles Boykin. I first want to say that I did talk to Scott Wright for this story, uh, president and founder of NFLDraftCountdown.com, and he said what's going to help Claypool stock as much as anything is his play on special teams. Claypool plays on both punt coverage and kickoff coverage. He's recorded 20 career tackles, which leads all Irish. He loves playing them. He actually wants to get on all four. 
And so he really relishes that. And Scott Wright said, even if he doesn't make it as a wide receiver, he will make it as a special teams only player. But I did get a chance to catch up with Miles Boykin over phone from Ravens camp because I wanted to ask him about Claypool and uh, how Claypool is trying to sort of follow in his footsteps as far as a breakout season. Now at the Combine, you guys really, when asked about who, what Notre Dame player you felt might be next in line to have a breakout year like you did last season, a lot of people said Chase Claypool is the man. And uh, why, yeah. do you think, why do you think that is, Miles? I just think it's his time. Uh, he's, it's his senior year. He's mature. Uh, he has all the tools. Um, he's gotten smarter just in terms of playing the wide receiver position. And, uh, you know, I just think he has a great opportunity. You know, as you look at the way he finished last season, he really had a great second half. How much do you think he can build on that? How much do you think that would boost his confidence? Um, I don't, I don't think he really needed a boost. Um, I think the one thing about our receiver room last year is we had three, you know, three people who are going to eventually play in the NFL. So I don't look at his lack of production as something that, you know, was a lack of confidence and he wasn't ready for it. Kind of like me, you know, my, my earlier years there. I mean, we had, you know, we had three really good receivers. So it's hard to spread the ball around when you got three really good receivers. And, you know, we really want to try to run the ball first anyways. So. I just think now that he's going to be, you know, the number one guy, you know, he'll make all the plays he needs to make. And, you know, I think a lot of people will start taking notice. And then if you could give him some advice for his senior season, what would it be? Just focus on the season because, I mean, once college is over, you know, you obviously not going to get it back. Right. Um, he won't have to make a decision like me, but it's just, you know, the little things you'll miss about college, the teammates, you know, how it's, you know, not really a business in college. You know, it's a business now for me. It's a job. So, um, enjoy it while you have it because uh, I know he'll be happy to be done with college and be playing in the NFL, but it'll be uh, it'll be missed a little bit. Miles, let me just clip a couple in on, on what you're up to. How different is it, and was it kind of a, sh- a culture shock, or was it about what you expected? Um, it was it was kind of what I expected. I mean, it's really just the dynamics between coaches, players, and other players. Uh, really, does you have to go to work every day? Like I said, it, it is a job. It's like nine to five, but you know the blessing is that's all you got to worry about. You know, you get to play football for a living. So, um, really, that's that's the fun part of it. But you know, don't get me wrong; it is tough. But you know, we love doing it, so that's why we're here. The last one for me. And what kind of are, are you pleased that you are a Raven? Does that seem like a good fit for you? Absolutely. You know, I'm pleased to be somewhere where I'm wanted, and that's that's all that mattered to me. And that I'm getting a chance to play football. They're paying me to play football, so I, don't know how I couldn't be ecstatic and happy about it. It was interesting. I, I love catching up with Miles. He's a well-spoken young man, and, and he's really happy where he is and settling in nicely, it sounds, with Baltimore, likes where he is, and he's expecting big things out of Claypool. And basically, as you heard there, the message is such that just stay grounded. Stay in the season. This is your last college season. Don't start peeking ahead because it's not going to help you on the field, and it's not going to help your demeanor, and it will do you no good. So I thought that was good advice from Boykin. Well, that's their deepest position, if you ask me, too. I think you look at their wide receiver. I, that's the one position I feel, I guess, best about out of all of them because uh, everything else is you hope me in book returns to form. I'm counting on Fink and Claypool as being the real yeah. deals. So as far as knowing real deals, those are the two that I feel most confident about. Offensive side of the football, indeed. Yes. I, I, I think if you look as the team as a whole, I would certainly go right to that defensive line. But offensively... Yeah, you know what you're going to get. There's been a lot of production. I don't have it right in front of me, but those guys, I believe, Fink and Claypool, have combined for about 111 catches 
um, as a tandem and a bunch of touchdowns, and we're expecting many more of both this season. All right, so let's look at basketball real quick, and we, we touched on it a little bit when we started the show with the Rolfs Athletic Center, and it's like watching a kid on Christmas morning opening up his presents, and anytime you see Mike Bray at the facility, that's what it seems like to me, Todd. Yeah, yeah. He's just a giddy school kid, you know, and uh, as well he should be. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, there's a lot of question marks heading into this season. Um, I, I don't know how this translates into wins and losses at the end, you know, at the bottom line, but it can't hurt to have a facility like this. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, I think one of the first things he mentioned, it's already sort of catching fire because Pat Conan, he's already organizing like a summer sort of training camp. Um, for nice. the NBA Notre Dame guys and the, the, some of the Notre Dame NBA wannabe guys. And that's going to be a star-studded crew that comes back, or at least in Notre Dame terms. Oh, by the way, that. while we're recording this, we digress. Uh, Pat, they got to win a game this weekend. Yes. <laughs> They're down three games to two. How so about that? After we want just Pat in the NBA Finals. Uh, I'm I surprised have, Toronto won three in a row. There, I but. have my theories on that. As they rolled through Detroit and then went 4-1 on Boston, winning by huge margins, yeah. and then beat Toronto. Too much time off. No, because they went two up 2-0 in that series, so yeah. I don't know that you could go there. That's Rags. true. I think where you're going is, uh, for some reason, the coach in Game 3 decided to switch the entire rotation around, his bench rotation, and it is not paid off. And oh. I'll leave it at Yeah, that. we are digressing way too much. <laughs> Let's talk more about Bray. Indeed. And, and so uh, Bray uh, met with the media here, and, and he touched on a variety of subjects. I think he spoke for about 40 minutes, and... You know, we talked about the facilities for a while, and he talked about this and that. But a couple of things he really hit hard on. Now, keep in mind, Mike Bray is now the president of the National Association of Basketball Coaches. A big job, you know. Obviously, the NABC, well-respected coach. You don't get you don't get a gig like that unless you are. But there's so much going on with transfers, and there's so much going on with the scandal behind. Yeah. And, and so Bray addressed those as well. I'm going to pop in a clip here in a second about the transfers, um, but first and foremost, Bray came out strong then in some of the coaches' meetings that went on in Washington, D.C. and Indianapolis this past week as well. There's only been one, as Mike Bray has really pushed for stiffer punishment. That, that was the big theme during those meetings I just mentioned. Mike Bray wants to push for stiffer pun- punishments from presidents and ADs. As a matter of fact, Rick Patino, through all this scandal, He's the only guy that lost his job over it. Everybody else. And, and Bray suggested that perhaps universities are worried about getting sued. And, indeed, that's what happened. The one that got the one guy that got fired is suing for $40 million. Hmm. So Bray says you can't worry about that stuff. you got to protect the integrity of the game. But he also talked about the transfer situation. And we mentioned that Elijah Burns and Matt Ryan, and now most recently DJ Harvey, have all transferred from his program in the last three years. Bray understands it to a point. But he said, we're making it too easy. They're making it too easy for these kids to transfer. It's real easy to get a waiver. This transfer portal is becoming ridiculous in many respects. And kids are just jumping schools because they can say, well, the coach kind of yelled at me. (laughs) Can I get a waiver? And they're getting, and then they're being granted these waivers. So here's Mike Brand, a little bit of a rant that I thought was pretty interesting, kind of addressing his own transfer situation and the entire transfer problem, the growing transfer problem as a whole in college basketball. I want to say there are about 700 in the portal right now, Division One men's basketball. And how good is the kid Blackshear from Virginia Tech? He's in the portal, and he's in the draft. <laughs> now, that is a guy, like, he's doing, uh, uh, keep, you know, options he, he, that's keeping your options open. Like, I'm all for 
you know, the, 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 the pendulum swung <laughs> about seven or eight years ago, and, and rightfully so, with, uh, um, you know, more for the student athlete and cost of attendance and all that. But come on now, you know, like free agency and we're going to, coach, by the way, I'm in the portal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's, what's not publicized enough, and we talk a lot about this in both meetings, Certainly, there is a big pay-for-play stuff, and I, you saw the stuff on names and likenesses, and that'll probably come about how they figured out, I don't know, but the actual pay-for-play has great momentum. What people don't understand is with cost of attendance and guys getting some guys qualifying for the Pell Grant, and, 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 the, and the, the, the room and board, especially in the summer, the check, come on now, these guys are not broke. You know, they're not, they, there was, so, you know, they, they're, they're doing, we don't, we don't talk about that enough. And he makes a lot of good points there. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, he says that there needs to be some consequence or at least a deterrent for these kids to be jumping around like they're doing. Again, I don't know what the answer is. Sit out of here. They already have to. It's, yeah. He's uncomfortable. And I think basketball, I'm growing a little bit more uncomfortable with the grad transfer more so than football. Well, the biggest thing in basketball, one player can make a bigger exactly. difference. That's the whole idea. Right. I mean, in football, it, it's not as drastic as change when you have someone come in, unless it's a quarterback, and that can happen. We see You see it every once in a while with the Russell Wilsons of the world. But basketball, one guy comes in, the whole program changes for a year. Sure, yeah. And it allows one of the points Bray made was one of, one of the things he used to hang his hat on obviously is because of transfers and other things his roster has been turned upside down but for many many years he did always stay old it seems right. like his team right. was older than the other ones because he moved him through for four years well, also he's reluctant to play the younger kids too that was it that was yeah. always a big well, you've kind of paid your dues yep you yep. know you paid your dues he's left with no choice but to play younger <laughs> kids now because that's all he has um but uh th- that was sort of his thing is that uh I want to stay old, and now a lot of other teams are able to stay old through this grad transfer thing. You know, Virginia's a classic example here. So um, uh, there's a lot of problems in college basketball. Bray's trying to get to the bottom of it. It tells me he feels like his program's squeaky clean when he's calling for coaches to get fired and, and harsher punishment. Good so point. good for him. Um, but uh, a, a good man for this tough job at a, at a really difficult time for college hoops. And a man that's as secure in his job that any other coach has been over there, it seems, for quite some time. Mm. I feel like he's more relaxed now than he ever has been. Ooh, um, you disagree? I, I do. He's now missed the tournament two years in a row. Oh, they on. stunk last year. I would a lot say, of injuries. A lot of... Uh, yeah, I, 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 people don't care about that. I know. I'm an apologist for Mike Bray. I guess so. I'm, uh, no, I'm, not, you know, I'm not putting him on the hot seat or anything like that. Sounds but. like you are. Um, he's never missed the tournament three years in a row since he's been here. All right, and he's well, been here a long, long time. Let's so, hope he doesn't miss it I, I, next year. I'll tell you what, Rags. There's going to be some rumbling if indeed he does miss it this year. You're going to start to hear it a little bit that maybe he's you know maybe they need some fresh blood in here. You're going you're going to hear it. I uh, promise you. I hope like not. it or not. I hope not. Well, we've heard it before, and he's turned it around. And so maybe go ahead. No, well, the the first year of joining the ACC they they went below 500 and they came back and won 30 games the following year and yeah. went to the elite eight yeah. so he's he's been pretty good about turning things around in a big hurry all right well there's your show blue goal report we'll be back uh well I don't know we we, we discuss uh, off the air now whether or not we come back <laughs> in the next week or not but either way you find the podcast make sure you download it and you subscribe to it uh share rate and review it as well and of course if you're listening on ESPN radio 1380 and 100.9 FM uh, have a great Memorial Day weekend Todd you 
do the same, my friend. I will, my friend. Have a great weekend as well. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.